welcome to the Providence Road Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes, or you can download our new app and listen on there. Let's get into it. My name is Jonathan Hederly. Maybe some of you have either met me or heard me speak here prior engagements. I'm always privileged to come and speak at churches, schools, businesses, just really have a conversation around mental health and wellness. Um, if you have heard me speak before, I'm getting over a little bit of a, a cough, but fortunately for you, this my voice sounds better this way than in real life. It's really kind of whiny and nasally. So um, Now, when Kent invited me to come and speak, I ruminated over it a little bit, and I said, absolutely, because... What you're going to discover during this six-week series is I am a very lazy person. And what I mean by that is this. What you get out of this six-week series is going to be predominantly what you put into it. And even my work as a mental health therapist, it's those that tend to uh, get better and that they find ways to navigate the challenges that they face, I can't be the hardest person working in their lives. I'm really a support and a conduit and a resource. And so I'm not here to wow you with insight and information. I'm not here to try to prove that I'm an expert or worthy to be up here and speaking on. I'm here to really set you guys up for catalysts for conversation and then During this class, you're going to be doing a lot of the work, and you're going to see in a moment that's really the design of this class itself. So let me kind of go over quickly how this class is going to kind of navigate in these next six weeks. Um, One of the things that a lot of times we think about when mental health is we want to recognize that there are very, what we would call primary mental health struggles. Uh, medical diagnosis, depression, anxiety, things of that nature. But mental health is oftentimes our response to external events and circumstances as well. So during this series, we're also going to explore how we deal with things like uncertainty, change, when we face adversity, disappointment, or pain. What is our response? How strong are we with resiliency and overcoming adversity? Or how much do we really struggle with a sense of defeatism? And it's difficult to kind of pick ourselves back up. Um, And then we're really going to, in a lot of ways, tell our stories. You know, I'm a mental health therapist, but in a lot of ways, if you know me, I'm a storyteller. Because the stories we tell about ourselves tell something about ourselves. And in a church community, I was a youth pastor for five years. It's... It's amazing how much time you can spend in a church and not really get to know the people that you worship with. And it's, it's really easy when people face adversity to sign up to send them a meal, but not really sit and share the struggle and even share how you can relate to it. That's what this class is really going to be about. So what the hope is that this class, but this class is a microcosm of the church, of your guys' church community, is we want to normalize mental health discussions. That's what we're going to have in here. That's what you guys are going to have in here. 
We're going to work on listening and sharing personal experiences. I'm not going to be up here just giving you facts and statistics about mental health. Each one of us has a story, our own story, our family story, our friends and our community stories. And we're going to practice the opportunity to share and to listen because it's really, really insightful and provocative when we have this principle we have this value or idea, but then you put a face to it and you put a story to it. And that can really change how we think and how we feel about something. We really want to destigmatize mental health and mental illness. That's something that the church, the, the, the more modern contemporary church, has made one of its missions. But if we look at the history of the church, that has not necessarily been one of its primary purposes. And then what we really want to also accomplish is in this space, tackle personal sensitive and sometimes really uncomfortable topics, but learn how to listen and be in that space with grace, compassion, and love. Now with me, whether it's in my professional work, whether it's in my family, there's rules and guidelines we really want to foster. We want to share personal stories, thoughts, and experiences. If I'm not here to be an expert and give you a bunch of stats and statistics and facts, then that's not your role either. Your role is to be you, to share your story. No unsolicited advice. That is 101 in counseling and therapy, is we don't tell people how to live their lives. The last thing a group of adults want is someone else telling them how to live their lives. No dominating the conversation. I was a youth pastor. I've gone to church my entire life. There's some people in the church that love to talk and love to hear themselves talk. And we love them. But if this is really about the community, this is just as much for you to have an opportunity to hear other people's stories and learn a little bit more about them. And finally, we really want to make a commitment to avoid criticism, judgment, or dismissiveness. It's okay. It is the expectation. We will not have the same perspective or opinion on matters as a church. That's what it's like when you guys are in the sanctuary. That's what it's like when you're in midweek Bible study or at youth group. There's no reason that that won't operate here. But the more we may talk about some really personal, uncomfortable, sensitive topics, the more we really need to check and own how our differences might become divisive. And so this is what we practice in here. This is what I practice every day in my clinical um, profession, in my role. Because I hear a lot of things about people making really poor decisions. I hear a lot of, of thoughts and ideas of, of people that in some way, shape, or form I disagree. But if I'm there to help them, the first thing that they need to know is that, that this is a place they're not going to be judged. Because if they can't trust somebody in a confidential space whose primary role is to help and support them, the very last thing that they need is to feel like if they open up, they're going to be met with harsh criticism, judgment, condemnation. That's 101 in mental health counseling and therapy. That needs to be 101 in the church and in the church community as well. 
Now, they're recording this for a podcast, so if you think I have this giant mole with hair growing on my chest, no, that's a microphone that's picking up all this information. In a lot of ways, it'll be interesting to see how this turns out because the bulk of this Sunday morning classroom is gonna be conversations around the table. And in a moment when we break up for conversations, this is an opportunity if you pretty much are at a table with your entire family that you're welcome to kind of go mix and match. Um, the, the other thing I would say in terms of a rule or expectation is not to dominate conversation, but it, it's an invitation for you to share. You don't have to share. Or even if there's, there's gonna be several questions, if one just maybe hits a little too close to home, you're really not ready, or it's not something that you're yet comfortable really disclosing for whatever reason, you always have the ability to pass. But I would encourage you, I invite you to challenge yourself of opening up. Because again, the stories we tell tell something about us. So with the start of today, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Christian church history when it comes to mental health. And our history is somewhat complicated. But I would argue the church history, Christian history, is somewhat complicated on a lot of issues, not just mental health. And my undergraduate degree was in biblical studies and theology. I have one master's in Christian leadership. I have a second master's in Christian counseling. So I've really tried to approach theology and spirituality through the lens of not just doctrine and church history, but also doctrine and spirituality applied. Christian leadership, Christian counseling. And one of the complicated things about church history is that we oftentimes try to oversimplify that we either try to defend or minimize, whereas the church history is made up of a history of flawed men and women. And somewhere in the future, we are a part of church history, they're going to look back at us and say, well, what was it about the 20th, 21st century church and what they were about? Because there were early church fathers that really recognized mental illness and that they really created space to address it in a way that they recognized a lot of times it was about what we would call maladaptive um, living, whether they were isolated, where they, whether they were, um, had um, limited or no means, whether it's homelessness or back then if you were an orphan, back then if you were an immigrant in a, in a country where your bloodline was significantly defined your, your value and worth as a, as a human being, whether you were a woman in terms of the ability to, to have equal rights and own property or make decisions in that regard. So the early church did recognize the struggles that the mind and the body had on everyday people, but it was largely marginalized. It was more of the exception, exceptional Christian leaders and thoughts rather than it was the norm. And there's two doctrines that really, even to this day, greatly complicate our understanding of mental health and mental illness, which is really, you know, adversity of the brain and body 
and then adversity and, and how we manage and tackle life. There's two doctrines that oftentimes really complicate this for Christians. It's the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of prayer. Because those tend to oversimplify the complex nature of mental health and wellness. And one of our series, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the hidden aspect of mental health. But when we think about health, think about how people respond, how the Christian community, how the church responds to somebody with cancer. Somebody that was in a car accident, have broken bones. Somebody who's going through early or late stages of Alzheimer's and dementia versus how we respond when someone shares or acknowledges they're dealing with severe depression, they're wrestling with addiction, that they, they're really anxious and having difficulty leaving their home. They have an unhealthy uh, relationship with food or how they see their body. Think of how we respond differently to that. Now, the church, actually, one of the, his, historically, what it really has championed is its advocacy of healthcare and hospitals, right? Even, even here in Charlotte, and I know here in the late 20th, early 21st century, there's been a lot of uh, secularization and branching off from its his, historical roots. But I've been here long enough in Charlotte to remember where one of the primary hospitals was Presbyterian. Presbyterian Hospital. So the, the church actually has a strong history of healthcare and medical, and yet somehow we have really separated mental health as a health and medical issue that we oftentimes see it as a personal effort or a, a, a willpower or even their own piety and relationship with God. Because there is a lot of historical precedent where they viewed mental illness as demonic possession. That, that it wasn't really about just the physical condition of their mind and body, that they were somehow being possessed. Something not of this world, which then really oftentimes resulted in a very harsh and different form of addressing it. And this isn't just historical Christian roots, this really is human history. For the longest time, mental health and illness, they created asylums and sanctuaries where it basically was, let's just put them in there so we don't have to deal with them. So we can protect what we would call the, the normal population community rather than treating and helping. And that really led to a lot of inhumane treatment and dehumanizing and devaluing people with mental health and mental illness. Now, when we think about the modern church, I've been going to church really since I was, was, was born. And if I had to, even though the last number of years in Providence Road really champions this in terms of really opening up and creating space for discussion around mental health and mental illness, if I had to describe what the legacy is for the more modern church when it comes to mental health, I think I would say its legacy is simply this. Silence. We don't talk about it. Or, or we have Pastor Matt or we have Pastor Ken. Like they, they go off into their office and they, they talk with somebody about it. But we don't, we don't talk about it. Now whether that is because 
We don't see the church and the church community as a safe community or whether by not talking about it, we've really shaped ourselves into being not a safe community to talk about it. I think the legacy of the modern church is simply just silence. And that's really what this class is about. And you guys get to really um, open that up. So in a moment, I'm going to share some of the conversations, questions that I really encourage you guys around your table to really engage in. And again, we're not experts here. This is about sharing your story. And again, before we start, if um, when, I, when I almost go like break, if you're like, I don't want my husband talking to my husband, you know, goes, goes with love, abandon them and go to a different table. So there are going to be two clusters of questions here. And this, you, your table can go about this in whatever shape or form. There may always be more questions than you get to, and that's fine. This is really about opening up, getting to know each other's stories, letting the church community actually be a family, actually be friends, fellowship. This is really going to be a fellowship time. I want you guys to share what memories do you have of your family, your school, or your church openly discussing mental health. We have so many generations represented here, so many different stories in terms of upbringing, school, education, family. I'm adopted, so my own family of origin history, I don't have any of, but it wasn't until, honestly, I was in my mid-20s that my mom really opened up about the mental health history of her family. My grandfather was a World War II veteran, suffered from PTSD and alcoholism, and my, my mother grew up in an emotionally, verbally, and physically abusive home. Didn't know that. Didn't know that till way past when my grandfather had passed away. What personal connections or experiences have you had with mental health-related issues? Have you witnessed friends struggle? Do you have family members that struggle? Do you have your own personal struggles? And again, that one obviously is, is a very personal and sensitive question. Approach it in whatever manner you feel appropriate. I had a client many years ago um, come to my office, immediately sent them to the hospital. We thought he might be having a psychotic episode. Um, we thought he might have smoked some marijuana that was laced. Turns out he was having a manic episode. And in the ER, that's when his mother said, oh yeah, I'm bipolar that it was not something that they had openly talked about, that there was generations of stigma and hiding it, and yet having a parent that is bipolar increases the risk of having a manic episode, specifically if you're doing something like marijuana, which is known to be a psycho, psychotropic drug. So what connections do you have? And then with that comes a question of how you would describe your family growing up when it comes to talking about mental health, addiction, depression, eating disorders, suicide, things of that nature. Would you describe your family's communication as kind of open, maybe guarded? Would you say your family was in a lot of ways misinformed, that that really wasn't on their radar? Was there inexperience? We just, we didn't talk about it because it really wasn't orbiting in our, you know, in our space? Or did your family have a somewhat dismissive, critical, or judgmental view of mental health and, and wellness? If people were homeless, if they had addiction, if they were depression, was it really more of a, a negative spin that, they, that you could hear them kind of share? That's going to be the first cluster of conversations. And then we're going to move more to you guys talking about more about your church and Christian experience. 
What are some of the ways you've seen your faith community wrestle or struggle with addressing mental health? And that can be here at Providence Road or even your previous church experience. You know, I was a youth minister almost 20 years ago and didn't really, at the time, create space to talk about mental health issues. I also didn't feel qualified, but I never really thought at the time, like, well, if you're not qualified, go find somebody that is qualified, invite them to come and speak. What are some ways you've seen your faith community embrace or tackle mental health topics in a positive way? Not just, again, Providence Road, but if you've worshipped in other uh, houses of worship, if you're a part of any Christian organization like Young Life or YMCA or anything else, what are ways you're seeing the faith community attempt to really, in a positive and embracing way, tackle the tough topic of mental health? And then finally, share any ideas you might have that you think would help the church be viewed more as a trusted community, as a beacon of light around this issue rather than something that they're really not known for or people may have more of a negative or distrustful view of the church when it comes to their relationship talking about mental health and wellness. All right, here we go. It's time for you guys to talk and for me to shut up. I would love for us just to take a couple minutes as we wrap up just to hear from a couple of folks on any insights, highlights, or takeaways. Not necessarily what was shared, although certainly that can be a part of it, but just what, what's the experience like to be in this type of space, to have this itinerary and opportunity to just be within the church walls, fellowship and worship, pray, hear the word of God, but also sit and share our stories and listen to other people's stories and, and even challenge ourselves maybe to step out of our, our comfort zone or to understand and know somebody a little bit deeper and differently than maybe we did here than just before this, this morning's classroom started. What, uh, anybody that wants to kind of share any particular insights, highlights, or takeaways from this morning's conversation? Absolutely. Anything that you can recognize your church is trying to advance advanced care and destigmatizing and normalizing the conversation and welcoming those that struggle in the conversation. Let me close us up in prayer here. Heavenly Father, we are humbled by your love of us. We know ourselves all too well to know where we struggle and where we feel not worthy, and yet you love us to such a degree you died on the cross for us. And you have purpose and intention of bringing us together as a community, as a church family, and we pray that we would make the most of opportunities to be real with one another, to walk alongside each other's struggles, to not judge, but to lift up and to look to you for hope, for guidance. We pray for Pastor Matt as he continues to preach the word and for all those who serve this morning. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now next week we're going to talk specifically about anxiety, stress, and worry. We're going to look at where those lines are between healthy or positive stress and where it becomes more problematic or debilitating. Anxiety, stress, worry, it is a deeply, deeply human experience. 
I'm also going to argue it's also deeply, deeply an American experience. So there's something about the American way of life that really reinforces or sometimes romanticizes anxiety, stress, and worry. So that's what we're going to have next week. Thank you all very much this morning. God bless you. Have a great morning. Don't, don't clap. That's weird. Wow. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Providence Road podcast. We appreciate the support and hope this has been encouraging and thought-provoking for you. We'll catch you next week. Peace.